Good morning and welcome to our Daily Word and Prayer on this 4th of July weekend. This is actually Saturday morning, July 3rd. Glad to have all of you along. If you're new, a special welcome to you. I hope you do join us. We get together every morning, 8.30 a.m., but you can watch later on and you can even listen on a podcast off the Apple, uh, Google, and Spotify platforms. And we, you can get some daily input of God's Word and prayer over it. So I hope you join our community and so glad to have you along with us today. This morning, my message is a simple one, or actually a, a very challenging one. Liberty, yes. Liberation theology, no. We are celebrating our, in, our birthday this weekend, and it's never maybe... It's, never been more important than to really go back and say see what is our the founding of America all about and to be alert and to be warned about ways in which our founding is being hijacked you know our nation was founded on the statement the declaration of independence shall we say it we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Several things must be said that we have inalienable rights that are given to us by our Creator. Indeed, our founding fathers realized this. They didn't think they came from us, they didn't think they were civil rights. Civil rights come from government, they were inalienable rights that come from God. And this was the basis of our, of our country. Secondly, to realize that this grew out of the Great Awakening. And in the 1700s, there was a great spiritual revival took place in America. Multitudes of people were turning to Christ, and it was understood that, that salvation, people were seeing salvation freshly as an individual decision. There was personal responsibility for sin, personal conversion, personal repentance, personal receiving of Christ. And certainly this spilled into the community and whole communities were being saved. But people were seeing salvation was their responsibility. It was, their, it was in their hands to turn to Jesus Christ and to be saved. And from this grew our nation with this emphasis on individual responsibility and individual rights that come to us from God. They don't come to us from the king. They don't come from the king down. This change that has to happen in life doesn't, it's, it's, not all, it's not national, it's not led by the king where I'm just kind of a recipient of it. I have responsibility. Well, from this, interestingly, from this sense of personal responsibility and turning to God, the greatest social changes in history for the good have occurred. America being a great example of this. Does America have problems? Of course. And isn't it sad we have to say that? What other country always has to give a disclaimer before they ever talk about what they're doing? Yes, of course, we have problems. However, with this Christian morality, this Christian faith, this Christian mores, this, Christ, this responsibility before God to make the most of my life, to, to turn to Christ, to follow Christ, this responsibility that has permeated our country has led to more good than any other country, led to more people being lifted out of poverty than any other country, more people finding freedom than any other country.
We often compare our country to perfection. What other country does that? I don't know of any. I would say a far better thing would be to compare our country when we talk about when we talk about how we're doing, to compare our country to those systems of government or to those countries that others emula- others lift up as better examples. Well, this leads into liberation theology. What is liberation theology? That sounds like such a good thing, doesn't it? To put together a good term like liberty or liberation and a term like theology, boy, how could a Christian not be for liberation theology? It sounds so good. But liberation theology is not the same as liberty. Liberation theology is a philosophy, or as it says, a theology, an idea that that, that I want to describe here quickly. Liberation theology was, was born in Central America, first articulated in Central America in the 1970s, where there was extreme corruption and an extreme uh, uh, separation of the economic classes. One thing here in America, we have a, a large middle class shrinking, unfortunately, but a large middle class that has made America a different type of country than many of the other countries of the world. In Central America, there, was the, there were the rich and there were the poor. And liberation theology was founded by a Catholic priest. It grew out of the Catholic Church in, a, in an effort to address corruption, but it was at its heart Marxist and greatly influenced by Marxist ideology. And we've got to be careful, friends, that that people don't, anyone, not just Marxists, not just the political left, but everybody, everybody needs to be careful that we don't go to the Bible and simply try and impose our ideas, our political beliefs, uh, our, any of our scientific beliefs, our life beliefs, our worldview, impose it on the Bible and just look for a verse here or there that will support my the view that I'm bringing already. That's not the way we read the Bible. We want to go to the Bible with a sense of humility, and a sense of saying, God, everything's laid open to you. Transform my life. Change me. Make me to be the person you want me to be. The problem with Marxism and the liberation theology that came from it is it's all based on econ- economics. And it's basically saying that the mission of Jesus is economic equality, economic egalitarianism, if you've not heard this word egalitarian before, economic egalitarianism, which basically is hoping, is trying not for everyone to have an equality of opportunity, or but to have an equality of outcome. In other words, everybody, there, there are no, ideally, there would be no more rich, there would be no more poor, everyone would be equal in the in what they have. Liberation theology assumes that anyone who's wealthy got wealthy because of corruption, because of sin, and because they they cheated and they were fraudulent and things of this nature. They stole it. They got wealthy at the expense of the poor. There are certainly countries that are like this, and certainly that is a sinful thing, and certainly Jesus and God would be against such a thing. But there are also places in the world where people have developed wealth. I mean, God gives wealth. God gives wealth to people. Wealth is a, not a bad thing if gained properly through hard work, through, through being, making good decisions, through honoring God. We read in Proverbs that the blessing of the Lord makes rich. 
God gives wealth. God gives success. And, and when there's a free nation and you have God, where there's real liberty and you live by godly principles, in time, in time, you can generate wealth. Now, you may not be, you know, Jeff Bezos or, or Elon Musk, but you, the American dream would be that you have more than your parents and you do better and that that would be the case and where there is liberty and there's freedom and there's godliness. And people follow teachings in the scripture, particularly like the book of Proverbs, and people are generous, then they can generate wealth and they can fulfill that, shall we say, that American dream in which they're, they are doing better than the parents who raised them. And that's what we all aspire to. Liberation theology teaches that the mission of Jesus was, was not to reconcile people to God. Liberation theology doesn't recognize the basic problem of humanity is sin and rebellion against God, and the basic solution is repentance and to be reconciled to God. But liberation theology looks at everything economically because it's Marxist. And Marx looked at everything economically. He didn't look at it theologically. He didn't look at man as corrupt and evil. He looked at systems as corrupt and evil. This is what Marxism teaches. Marxism teaches that people are basically good and they only do evil because systems are evil. And the only reason for evil is systems and therefore systems need to be changed. Governments need to be changed. Economies need to be changed. Whereas Christianity, the message of Jesus was that we as individuals are sinful. We need to be changed. And where we are changed, when we are changed in significant numbers of people, that is like leaven that goes through the whole lump and it, it makes a nation better, a society better, a culture better. This is what has been the message of evangelical Christians. This is what has been the message of American Christians throughout the years. Change the people. Give the people liberty. Give them opportunity to come to God. Make, make salvation a, a, a personal thing, not a national thing. Make salvation a personal thing and allow that to flow out into the nation and allow that to flow out into the culture, into the world. This is what our Christian faith is teach, taught, and it has produced tremendous results, the best results that's lifted more people up out of oppression, more people up out of poverty, more people up out of, give more people more opportunity than any nation in the history of the world. Liberty, yes. Liberation theology, no. Now, you might recognize this liberation theology that, boy, Tom, that sounds an awful lot like critical race theory. That sounds an awful lot like uh, some of these, these efforts to, of, of Marxism. It's exactly what it is. And it is Marxism invading the church invading the church in, and trying to take verses that Jesus said and implying that, in essence, Jesus and Marx had the common mission. Not at all. Jesus lifts people up. The gospel lifts people up. The gospel sets people free. The gospel takes people who, whose life has been a mess and makes it holy, pure, and yes, productive. As Christians follow Christ, as people follow Christ, our path becomes straight. Our life becomes productive, good, and right. Liberation theology, like all Marxism, the way it makes people equal is by dragging down the successful, dragging down the wealthy. It doesn't lift people up. It drags people down. This has failed everywhere. It's failed everywhere. 
And as we see these ideas and we see people with these ideas having more and more power in our country, we need to pray for our country. Because if we really do care about people, what we want to do is we want to spread the gospel. The gospel brings salvation. The gospel is born when there's true liberty and the gospel goes forth. People, individuals, and families will be transformed, will be saved, will be sanctified, and will begin to live lives that are productive and successful lives, far more successful than they were without Christ. They'll begin to live successful lives that can give opportunity to themselves and their families, their children, and so on, to break out of poverty or things of this nature, okay? So, liberty, yes. Liberation theology, no. Christianity, yes. Jesus, yes. Karl Marx, no. He's a, he was an evil man. He was a man very likely, a demonic man. He's a man whose life was generated or guided by envy and resentment of what others had. Again, as Christians, we don't resent what others have. We don't look down on people who have things. We have a spirit, and we want to have a spirit of generosity. If you're, if you're doing well, spirit of generosity. I'm doing well. God has blessed me. I hope he blesses you too. Let's share. Let's be generous. Amen? Amen. These are important issues. They're not only important issues in our country as we consider our birthday this weekend. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men are created equal. They are endowed not by their government, but by their creator with their rights. Governments are, are formed to secure the rights, not to give them to us. God gives us our rights, not the government. Liberation theology would teach that, that they come from the government. They don't. They come from God. Father in heaven, we pray for our nation today, and we pray for our churches today. We pray for Christian people. We pray for the people of our land to not be deceived by good-sounding phrases, good-sounding ideas, uh, good-sounding uh, philosophies that really enslave they promise people freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption. We want to thank you for our country that was born out of this great awakening, this great revival in the 1700s where people saw their, their need for Christ. They repented. They turned to you. There was a great salvation occurred, a great turning to you, great revival. And from that, a new understanding of individual liberty, individual responsibility, individual need to turn to God. How we pray for this again in our land, Lord. We need this. Where people don't follow you, Father, we acknowledge they will look to others as they're omnipotent. And it's usually the government, and it leads to tyranny. It leads to dictatorship. It leads to all-powerful governments. And the more power the government has, we realize the less individual freedom we have. And how we pray, Father, in Jesus' name. How we pray, that there would be a great revival in our land, a great turning to you, a great understanding, even of those who would name the name of Christ, of the importance of people walking in liberty and freedom before God. How we pray that people would see that our Christian faith is not imposed upon. How We're falsely accused of this. No, it's a turning to you. It's a personal thing. It's salvation. It's redemption through Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father that you desire a personal relationship with people. You desire that the people know you individually and, and as families. We thank you for that. We thank you that we're not 
ruled by we all believe whatever the king says. And we all, that whatever religion the king has, that's our religion. We want to thank you for the opportunity to make personal decisions about faith in God. Lord, we are grieved at those who make the wrong decisions. We're grieved at those who have turned our freedom into opportunities to sin. We're grieved at those who turn freedom in and they march and they parade their sins because of their freedom. Lord, I pray that we would be more aggressive, more zealous, more intent to show our freedom in Christ and how we have used freedom to find God and to serve God and to love God and to love others. We'd be more intent to use our freedom in that good way than those who abuse it just to satisfy the flesh. We pray for these things today, Lord. Today, Lord, I want to pray also on this weekend as families get together and and Lord, I know some families have deep, deep, deep political, ideological, cultural divides. I pray, Father, that, that uh, conversations would be God-honoring and glorifying to you. I pray, Father, that people would, that th- those of us who name the name of Christ would be gracious, kind, loving, firm, wise, shrewd as serpents, innocent as doves, and that we would be people who can persuasively, positively, share truth in ways that cause others to see it and to embrace it. We pray for this today. We pray for these things for our country and our families and our lives. We're grateful today for our, our freedoms and our liberty. Might we understand it properly and use it in a way that honors you. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. All right, folks, thanks for joining me today. I hope you had a good time. I hope this was helpful to you and instructive. We're going to talk about freedom again tomorrow. And as I prayed here on this individual basis, some who turn freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. And we certainly don't want that. And especially not in the church. This is what we'll talk about tomorrow. So I look forward to seeing you tomorrow and on this 4th of July weekend. Celebrate our liberty. Don't fall for false ideas. Don't fall for good sounding ideas. Make sure that you understand and have a good, solid understanding of Scripture and of the history of our country so that you're not naive and fall into traps that look good and sound good, but they're traps. God bless you. You have a great day. Walk with a smile on your face. There's so much to be thankful for. Be encouraged in the Lord, and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.